This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. My name is Kevin. I'm the lead pastor here at Vortex. It's great to have you with us. We are actually today closing out a series called Redo, where we have spent the last month examining the great freedom that we were leveraged through the resurrection of Jesus and the second chance that that freedom affords us. And today, I promise you, it's going to be, uh, as we shape and really roll out the end of this series, it's going to be one of those that if we'll really let the remainder of this worship experience encounter our hearts, I promise you, it has the potential to really change things for you. Now, just to give you a roadmap as to where we're going after this series, we start a series next week called Afterlife. And it really was born out of a conversation that I had with my counselor last year. If you don't know this, I spend about three months with the counselor every year. Uh, really just to kind of make sure that everything inside of me is going the right way. And so last year I decided I was going to tackle some of my biggest fears. And I said, one of my biggest fears is dying. Now, I ain't talking about like, like being dead. I'm talking about what happens, the in-between part, right? That just scares me. I get behind a log truck and all of a sudden I just start thinking, right, you remember the movie? Maybe. All right, that's all I can think about, right? So I decided we were going to tackle this. And he said, Kevin, this is important. What do you know about heaven? I said, well, I know what the Bible says about heaven. I know that heaven's real. I know that heaven is eternity with God. I know that heaven is our bodies being real. He said, no, 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 no. What do you know about heaven? And he said this, and it really rocked my world. He said, the way that we view eternity shapes the way that we live today. The way that we think about heaven and hell and what happens after we die has a dramatic impact on the way that we live today. And so uh, I believe that this is going to be one of those series that's going to kind of take us into places that we don't normally go. Next week, I'm kind of bringing a message on what happens when you die. Um, I really believe that it's going to force us to wrestle with some things that maybe we've never even thought of or went to the Bible and said, Bible, tell me what really happens. And so uh, we're going to spend four weeks doing that in the month of May. I'm excited about that for us. Now today I'm going to do something a little unusual for us. As we get started, I'm going to pray for another church. Um, How many of y'all know that we need more churches and better churches in our county? Um, Because we live in a county of about 65,000 people. And at this moment, only about uh, 20,000 at best have went to church this morning. That means 40,000 of our neighbors and coworkers did not go to church today. And that If they all decided to show up here, we don't have room enough for them, and so we need more churches. And so I would love today uh, to pray for another church. One of my earliest mentors in ministry uh, was a guy named Paul Jenkins. He now pastors a church called The Gathering, which meets uh, in downtown. Uh, The Gathering started a year before we did and has done really well. They love our city very, very well and have grown. And as a matter of fact, they're in the process of of fitting and moving into their own building. Hopefully we'll get there one day, right? Amen. We want that for us too. But but at the same time, we're super excited for them. 
And we believe that we're, God's going to use that as a tool to advance the kingdom of God. And so what I'd like to do is just take a moment to pray for them. So let's do that as we get started today. God, I just want to thank you uh, for Pastor Paul, his wife, Wendy, and their kids. I just want to pray blessings over them, protection over them. And God, I want to lift up the gathering. I just want to thank you for a church like that that loves our city so well. And God, as they're prepping and getting prepared to move into a new building, we know that there are all kinds of obstacles that the, the enemy of our souls can bring against them. And so we pray for your protection over that project, God, and that you would use that new building in a way that would transform lives, transform families for your glory and for the renown of the kingdom of God to grow in the city that we live in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Now, as we get started today, I'm going to talk to you about redoing our hearts, redoing our hearts. And the thing that I noticed about our hearts is that our hearts are a lot like soil. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells a parable. It's a very important parable. It's so important that almost the entire chapter is dedicated to the simple story that Jesus tells. And in this story, Jesus tells about a farmer who is scattering seed. And he scatters seed on different types of soil. If you pay attention, the seed itself stands for the Word of God, and the soil stands for our hearts. And in the parable, Jesus describes four different types of soil. He describes hard soil, shallow soil, thorny soil, and fertile soil. How many of y'all want your, your hearts to be fertile soil for the Word of God? I want that, right? Amen. We want that for ourselves. I want God to be able to speak and then my heart to respond. But how many of you have ever noticed that sometimes we just catch our hearts and they're getting hard? And our hearts are hard towards things that God has. And sometimes we're just downright shallow, right? We are just downright. And sometimes there are things growing in our hearts that choke out the life that God is trying to grow. It's a very complicated thing to keep our hearts right before God. In Matthew 5, verse 45, Jesus says this. Look at this. He gives his sunlight on both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unlike and just and the unjust alike. Now, now earlier this week it rained, and some of y'all hate the rain, and y'all got mad at the rain. You were posting on Facebook about how much you hated the rain and how much you wanted it to stop raining. I was super excited to see it rain because I have seasonal allergies. And during this time of the year, my nose does really horrible things to me that I do not enjoy. And the rain washes all the pollen away. I was very thankful for the rain this week. But you ever notice what happens when it rains? What happens to the ground? The ground gets soft. You ever notice that? The ground gets soft. But when the sun shines on, on the ground for a long period of time, there is no rain. What happens to the ground? It gets hard. Throughout the, the Bible, the Spirit of God is described as living water. Living water. And if we receive the living water, if we receive God, through our hearts stay in the right condition. But if we continue, even in small ways, to reject God, our hearts become hard. See, why do we need a redo in our hearts? Because our hearts tend to become hard. In tiny ways, without even noticing it, we often reject God. And because of that, our hearts become hard. And we need a redo in our hearts when our hearts have become hard. Romans 2.5 puts it this way. Because of you and your impenetrant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. 
The hard heart is rejecting God. The word impenetrant literally means unrepentant. It means God has been speaking to me. God's been calling me. God's been asking things of me. God's been pushing and pulling me in a certain direction. But because of what's happening, I've said no to God. And as I've continued to say no to God, my heart has become hard. Now, so what leads to a hard heart? I'm going to give you three things in your notes today, if you're taking notes, three things that lead to a hard heart. Number one is rejecting God's voice. Rejecting God's voice. Now, for many of us, <coughs> for many of us, that happens by us literally knowing God said do this, and we don't do it. God said be generous. We said no. God said, forgive somebody, we say no. For some of us, it's even broader. It's God beckoning you into a relationship with himself, and you're just saying, no, I'm, I don't want that. I want to do things my way. Rejecting God's voice will lead to a hard heart. Number two, responding to your perspective first. The thing about perspectives is we all have one. It's impossible to not have a perspective it's impossible not to see the world through your own lens. You're at the center of every experience that you ever see. It takes quite a bit of work, actually, to get outside of ourselves and to try to think about things from other people's perspective. But see, the problem is, is that you are not God, and so if you are always responding to situations based on the way that you feel is best, you're probably not responding to God. How many of y'all know every once in a while, if you're going to have a big God, you're going to have a God that you disagree with. You're going to have a God that says no. You're going to have a God that points you in a different direction that's uncomfortable. But many of us don't want that. And in life, we're ultimately responding to our perspective over and over and over again. When we do that, our hearts continually, gradually become hard. And last is refusing grace. Refusing grace. It's so easy to refuse grace. And by that, I, I, I can mean the kind of grace that God gives us, the grace that, that His forgiveness, and He wants to restore a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. I can mean that, but I also mean specifically refusing to give grace to other people. Refusing to forgive because we are called to forgive and love as freely as we have been forgiven and loved. Now, we often say around here we want to be a life-giving community of faith, hope, and love. Listen to this. Those are the exact opposite of faith, hope, and love. Rejecting God's voice, ultimately, rejecting God's voice is putting faith in your own perspective. Putting faith in your own thoughts. Putting faith in your own ways. It's misaligned faith when you reject God's voice. When you respond to your own perspective first, what you're saying is that my greatest hope is that I can figure this out. That I can get it right. My hope doesn't lie in God. My hope lies in my own efforts and my own performance. And when we refuse grace, ultimately we are rejecting love because the way that God shows us that He loves us is through grace. And there are many of us that in small, incremental ways we've been on the pathway to our hearts becoming harder and harder and harder. You may have never even noticed it until now. So the question then has to be, what happens when we have a hard heart? Well, when we have a hard heart, 
they need to be broken. This is God's plan for a hard heart. And the unbelievable thing is that we see this all throughout Scripture. And so many of us do not understand this to be God's plan. And so when we go through brokenness, we actually miss what God is trying to give us. As a matter of fact, this principle of brokenness runs throughout the entire Bible. It's given to us in several word pictures. The, the first one is actually in pottery. In the Old Testament, especially in the prophets, they use the imagery of pottery. Jeremiah is actually invited by God to go watch a potter make a pot. In Jeremiah 18, he's watching. And as the pot is being formed, it becomes disformed. And Jeremiah records that the potter broke the pot, then began to make a new one out of the clay that remained. In Isaiah 30, the prophet Isaiah said this to Israel, because you have rejected this message relied on oppression and dependent on deceit. Your heart will break into pieces like pottery, shattered so mercilessly that among its pieces not a fragment will be found for the taking. We see it in pottery. We see it in agricultural imagery that's used throughout the Old Testament. One of the kind of largest cash crops grown in Jesus' day would have been grapes and olives. And if you've read the Bible carefully, you, you've noticed that there are often references towards oil. Now, we have all kinds of oil. We go to the grocery store. We get vegetable oil, right? We get sunflower oil. We get canola oil. I don't even know what a canola is, but apparently it makes oil, right? But in Jesus' day, they only had one kind of oil. It was olive oil. And do you know how they made olive oil? They crushed the olives. They crushed them. It was in the crushing of the fruit that the oil was produced. The book of Hebrews is written to a group of believers who are actively being persecuted and crushed. And it opens with this in Hebrews 1, 9. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of of joy. Oh, out of the brokenness and crushing came an oil, but it is an oil of joy. There's this promise that even though there's going to be a broken crushing, that there's something good that's going to come out of it. <coughs> we see that in the imagery of wine as well. Right? Why wine is made, we know this around here because all oh, y'all probably make wine at home. I ain't even okay. We live around wineries. We know wine is made from grapes. But you know what has to happen. The grapes have to be crushed. They have to be destroyed. They have to be pulverized for the wine to be made. And then Jesus makes his promise in Matthew 9. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wineskin will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskin and both are preserved. In that moment, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, God wants to do something in your heart new and he wants to pour it out into you. This new wine he wants to pour into you so that you can experience a new move of God inside of your heart but that move starts with brokenness and crushing 
Because there is no wine without crushing. So when we have hard hearts, the only thing that remains is for them to be broken. See, here's the problem, y'all. A lot of times when we find ourselves in that position, what we want to do is we want to keep doing the same thing but do it better. We want to keep doing the same thing. I just want to be a better version of what I'm trying to do right now. But the problem is that's not what needs to happen. You need to be broken. And let me, let me just tell you this. Often God has to break you before you get your breakthrough. Often God has to break you before you get your breakthrough. And so many of us keep trying to do the same old things just better. And what God is trying to do is break you so that he can take you out. So I'd like to give you four steps to experience, experiencing a, a redo heart. And then we're going to close out the service today a little different. We're, we're going to worship a little bit more at the end of service today. Redo hearts. What does it take to experience a redo heart? Number one, redo hearts are born from new love. Some of y'all are going, new love. What does that mean, new love? New love. Y'all remember being in like seventh grade? You showed up to school one day, and one, that, that boy, you didn't, you've known him since kindergarten, but all of a sudden, ooh, he just looked so good that day. New love. New love. Jesus is in a conversation over a woman who has been accused of adultery. She's been caught in the act of adultery and then brought before him. He forgives her her sins. And then in John 13, he says, or in Luke 7, he makes this comment. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has forgiven little loves little. All right, here's the principle. Here's the principle. When we confess and repent to God and experience His forgiveness, we have a new, deeper love for God. And a redo heart always starts with confession and repentance. Always starts with confession and repentance. And when we confess and repent to God, all of a sudden, there's a new love that's born out of that. Redo hearts are born from new love. Number two, redo hearts are created through crushing. Redo hearts are created through crushing. Now it's hard because many of you are going through seasons that are difficult. Some of you feel as if God is taking things away, but oftentimes in the season where it feels as if God is trying to take things away, what he's really trying to do is to get something out of your life so that he can put something in it. He's trying to break you down so that he can rebuild you the right way. So redo hearts are born through crushing. Number three, redo hearts are sustained by grace. Redo hearts are sustained by grace. If you're taking notes, I would write this down. Redo hearts are not sustained by perfection or performance. There's nothing that I can do, nothing that I can achieve that would sustain my heart before God. It is sustained by grace. And our hearts towards each other in relationship are not sustained by performance or perfection. 
They are sustained by grace because every one of you is going to let all your family down. You're going to let all your friends down. They are sustained by grace. Grace is God's way of showing that He loves you. So in John 13, Jesus says this, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another. Because the quickest way to a hard heart is receiving the love and mercy and grace of God, but refusing to give it to somebody who has hurt you. Redo hearts are sustained by grace. They get love one another. And lastly, redo hearts are grown through worship. And when I say worship, I do mean the singing and the gathering that we have in a, a church service, but I mean something more than that, something more comprehensive, something bigger than that. Romans 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. To present your bodies is spiritual worship. When we give ourselves completely to God, not just simply in song, but completely, every moment, never denying Him, that is worship. I think it's the exact point, the exact point that Jesus is trying to get across. To this woman that he meets at a well in the middle of the day who is a sordid, very difficult past. When he says this to her, it's who you are and the way that you live that counts before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. So there's this promise. That when our hearts become hard, if we'll repent and turn to God, God will give us a redo in the heart. And it's really found in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel chapter 36 where the Bible says this. Look at this. For here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you out of these countries, gather you from all over, and bring you back to your own. Look, I'm going to take you out. How many of y'all want to get that word from the Lord? I'm going to take you out. No. That doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound fun, does it? But how many of y'all know that sometimes God's got to take you out so that he can put himself in? If he doesn't get you out of the situation, if he doesn't get you out of the way, then you're going to seek putting yourself in the middle of things. You're going to keep putting yourself in the situation, and you're going to stay full of yourself. So in many ways, God's got to take you out. I'll pour pure water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God will, not self will. God's got to take us out so that he can put himself in. And how many of y'all know that the heart is essential? We can't live without our heart. We got to take care of our hearts. Right? We need to eat right. 
We need to exercise because that's what provides nourishment throughout all of our bodies, keeps us alive. So when our hearts become hard, it affects our life. It affects the way we live. It affects the way we think. It affects the way we perceive life. It affects our relationships. It affects our parenting. But look at what God says. I'll put my spirit in you, and I'll make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. You'll once again live in the land that I gave your ancestors. You'll be my people, and I'll be your God. You will once again live. And today there are some of us that our hearts have grown so hard and cold that today we need to once again live. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.